Welcome back to this week's episode of the BC Buckets Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Beach Patterson, and as always, joined here by head men's basketball coach, Mark Figuera. Coach, new week, had a chance to split, go one-on-one this week. We'll recap both of those here shortly, but first and foremost, how are things? How uh, how was the weekend for you? Pretty good. You know, we were in a little bit of a rut and managed to get ourselves out of it Saturday, so, you know, we needed to get that winning taste back in our mouth, and so that's that's kind of where we're at and enjoy it for the short time you have and get back to work today as we get ready for this week. Without a doubt, and we'll talk about it here in a little bit, but Saturday, nice getting a win and, and seeing some alumni back in town for a really special reason, and we'll touch on that here in a little bit. But let's start with first game of last week, Crosstown Rivalry against Morningside, host them at the Newman Flanagan Center. And let's start with the first half because Pace had to have been happy kind of offensively with, with how the game started. Uh, we were able to knock down some shots right away. Felt like we got in a pretty good flow. Uh, I'll be honest, Morningside made some really good basketball plays to beat us. Had some easy looks, but for the most part, uh, was able to capitalize. They go up three at halftime, back and forth kind of the whole way. They made a little bit of a run to start second half kind of coming out and unfortunately just fell uh, by six, 76 to 70 uh, to a really good morning side team. Yeah. You, you look at the first half early on, we did some really good things. They, they then kind of took a 10 point lead and we were able to really battle back and, and kind of counter the big run they made with one of our own and uh, came from 10 down to, to tie it with about a minute left in the first half. And, down three at half, like you said, and, you know, something we had talked about as we prepared for Morningside, and I've thought this for a couple of years with their teams, is when they win games, they usually win them with, with a big run in the early to mid-second half. And I don't know exactly how you counter that sometimes, but that's exactly what happened. And, you know, a little bit of it was our own doing, Um we, we we took a couple tough shots that we didn't probably need to take, which led to some transition points for them. But you dig yourself in a hole, and you do that twice in a game. You know, we did it in the first half. We were able to counter. In the second half, the second time that happens, it's going to be even harder to counter. And so, uh, you know, like you said, they're a good team. They're really good. You know, I think they're a top 25 team right now. And so – you can't hang your head about it, but, you know, we're certainly disappointed that there were some things we thought we could have done better. We thought maybe we shot ourselves in the foot a few times with with some offensive execution and some shot selection things. And then defensively, it's a double-edged sword because we forced a lot of turnovers. And I liked our activity. I liked our aggressiveness. But at the same time, they shot 65% for the game, and that's just you're not going to win games when you allow a team to shoot that well and when a lot of them are comfortable shots that they, they want to get, that's just something we have to be better with. And something I kind of want to get your, your insight and perspective from kind of on the defensive side here first, but uh, want to talk about Doble had a nice game from Morningside. He ended up with 19 and 13 more specifically against Morningside because in the past uh, more so recently here, they have been really well known to have, a strong, aggressive, and good 
play coming from their post, their five man, when they do enter the ball like that, is it kind of always a strategy for you guys to bring that high opposite guard or, or kind of dig down right on the catch or on the dribble? Or how do you guys normally kind of game plan that? And you guys doing that in practice pretty regularly with your guys uh, switching it up? Or is that kind of just a philosophy uh, that can change game to game uh, depending on what team we're playing that night? We, we have a, a handful of different double teams. We always have ready for good post players, but a lot of our philosophy off or excuse me, defensively stems from being aggressive and forcing the issue a little bit. And so that's just part of what we do pretty regularly is double the post. And, you know, when you play some of the, the really good post players in the league, and there's a lot of them, you can't just do the same thing over and over again. You have to make them uncomfortable. And so that's where games like that will, every three, four minutes or every five, six possessions, we'll switch it up and try to make them uncomfortable, keep them on their heels a little bit. And uh, so, yeah, it's just something we like to do. And being that we're not, you know, physically the biggest team out there, that that can be a an issue for us at times is having, you know, being outsized on the interior. And so we have to help each other out and, and get the ball out of there as best we can. And you kind of touched on it a little bit when you started talking about Morningside, that they are known to the beginning to middle of the second half, kind of making a little bit of a run to pull away from some teams. Wednesday night when you guys are there talking as coaches before you go into the locker room and then also when you're with the guys in the locker room, are you bringing that up or mentioning that at all to them that, hey, in the past they are prone to doing that? Is that something oh, for that sure. You- for sure. That's something we'll talk about in a scouting report. And it probably sounds really negative, but I always think about why are we going to lose the game? And that that's how – that's the first way I approach when we look at scouting reports and how we want to guard certain things or what we're, we're trying to take away from the other team offensively or what we're trying to exploit defensively. I think the negative first, why will we lose? And then try to formulate a plan or a scheme to – to counter that. And we talk with our guys a lot about what are we going to do to win the game? And it's really the same thing with the, with a positive spin on it, but we definitely talked about that. And it's, it's just one of those things where it's, you can talk about it all you want, but you know, Morningside, they, they're relentless the way they play. And that is the utmost compliment as far as I'm concerned that I can give a team. And if you let your guard down for just a second against a team like that, they're going to get you. And and that, I do think that's what happened in the second half. I thought we just let our foot off the gas pedal just a little bit. And it's not that we're not playing hard or not competing or anything like that. It's just we let up a little bit, and all of a sudden we go from down three to down 12. And you put yourself right back in that scramble mode of, holy crap, we – we got to do something and that that's not the best place to be obviously. So give a lot of credit to Morningside there. They got a heck of a team and, and they played really well and, you know, we'll look forward to getting another chance at them. Yeah. And last kind of tidbit uh, wanted to bring up on the Morningside game, Morningside a team that kind of prides themselves on getting second chance points, uh, getting out and getting some, maybe some easy ones in fast break. I feel like a, a big part of why we did kind of weather that run and hang in there is we really limited 
their second chance points and really limited the amount of fast break fast break points, excuse me, easy quote unquote buckets that they got. Had to have been really happy with the guys on uh, being able to rebound the basketball, not giving up a lot of those second chance points and being able to match up in transition and get it to five on five to settle down a little bit and get it into the half court. Yeah, that's that's something we talked about in scouting report. We talked a lot about half court one shot possessions. We we feel like they're at their best when they can get out and go in transition, and a lot of that comes from their defense. They force a lot of turnovers. They're really aggressive, and you know, a positive for us, we only turned the ball over two times the entire game, and I feel like Morningside thrives on pick six turnovers where they go in and score a layup right off the turnover. And we did a good job of preventing that. But the the downside of that was we missed seven layups in the game, and they scored pretty much directly as a result of six of them. And so it's not a turnover in the stat sheet, but missed layups to me are turnovers. And that's something we need to do a better job of. But uh, rebounding-wise, we did a really good job, I thought. And and so there's a lot to to build on, a lot of positives we can take from it. But uh, you can learn a lot every game, but sometimes it's just all the time. It's more fun to to learn when you win, too. And so, it, you know, it's a frustrating game. And, you you know, as we're going to talk about Midland here coming up, you, we didn't have time to sit and sulk about it because we, we had to get ready for Midland starting the next day. Yeah, and let's get to that game. And, and like I said, last Wednesday, I came up on the short end against Morningside, 76-70. And let's turn our transition uh, and focus here to Midland. Played a really good Midland team. Record might not show it right away. They came into that game 4-8 overall. Uh, hadn't won a conference game yet. They came in 0-6. But uh, to me, uh, they play really hard, a lot better than the record might show. And maybe a team that can sneak up on a couple people here uh, at the end of the year was able to get back in the win column, which is huge for the guys, huge for momentum. Uh, going into uh, close out this year, going into the 2023 season, came away with a 75-70 win against a really good Midland team and, and had to have been happy with the way the guys came out in the first half. I know we took an eight-point lead into the second half and, and never looked back, but overall to start the game, had to have been happy and pleased with the way the guys came out. Yeah, like I said, it's just we needed to dig ourselves out of a rut and we had to find a way to to get a win. And so I was obviously thrilled with, you know, the guys getting it done and finding a way. And was it a late game situational thing of beauty by us? No, it wasn't. But, uh, you know, we we did what we needed to do. And I, I think if you look big picture at Saturday's game, we won that game in the last maybe nine minutes of the first half. Uh, they had, they had taken an early lead on us, then it was back and forth a little bit. I think we went on a fifteen zero run at one point. Uh, got some good production from our bench, specifically Nate Hall. I thought he came in and and really gave us a boost off the bench in the first half and the second half, but particularly in the first half, he was a big part of that fifteen zero run. And late in that half, there's a couple defensive possessions where you know we were pretty disappointed, and even watching film. You go back, you like, well, we won, but gosh dang it, guys. That was a terrible possession. But, uh, you know, with an eight-point lead, obviously you're going to feel good about that. And didn't, didn't start the second half all that great. And it felt like that whole second half we were up four to 
hate the entire time and never could never could quite shake them. And that's a credit to Midland. They, they've got some young guys. They're kind of finding their way, first-year coaching staff, all that. But they, they play hard. They scrap. They're athletic at the guard spots. They put a lot of pressure on your defense, just attacking you downhill. And they did, they did some really good things. But, uh, you know, for us, it was, it was great to see the ball go in the basket again. We, we've been struggling from the three-point line. And so to see multiple guys knock in a couple threes, you know, and as a team, I think we went 13 for 30, which we'll take that every day, obviously, especially some of the, you know, we've had a couple tough ones the last few weeks here. And so obviously that's a cure for a lot of ills when you make shots, especially from the three. And sometimes, like, I think I probably said this already, but it's it can be contagious. One guy gets it going and another guy gets it going a little bit. And I, I hope we're on the good side of that now because that can work both ways. And it seems like the last few weeks we've kind of been on the bad side of that. And so making shots obviously makes our offense flow better, spaces the floor for us better, and it just opens up a whole multitude of other things that we haven't got the last few games because we just struggled to make shots from the perimeter. So it was great to see that. And hopefully we flip that to the good. Without a doubt. And you never want to single anyone out because it is a team game and everyone likes uh, to win and lose as a team. But one person I do want to kind of piggyback off what you said is Jaden Klein Hesslink. He was one of those guys and, and he'll be the first one to tell you because uh, I know he's uh, he's his own worst critic sometimes maybe not had the start to the season that he wanted, but seemed like this was kind of that game that hopefully kind of changes it for him. I know he made six threes here on Saturday, finished with a, uh, a team high for the day, 21 points and a, and a season high for him so far. So when it comes down to what you were saying, some guys getting that momentum, I know Nick Hoyt made some, uh, but Jaden Klein Hessling, it's one of those guys that hopefully this is that game that people are accustomed to seeing from him efficiency wise that he can kind of see the ball go through the hoop, get some of that self-confidence back. Cause at the end of the day, good basketball player, nice to see a couple go through the hoop. Hopefully this can kind of build and carry on for him. For sure. For sure. And, and, you know, he, he's been shooting the ball fairly well, you know, and throughout his career, he's been so consistent, but uh, he really got it going uh, in the first half and then carried it over into the second half. And then, you know, the other guy I, I'll, I'll point out from Saturday was, was Connor Groves. And Connor went two for ten from the field. He did not have a great night shooting the ball. But I think he ended up with five assists. And he did a really good job using ball screens. And he wasn't scoring, but he was just – he was making plays, coming off a ball screen, playing with really good pace. And uh, that's that's something he's he's gotten so much better at in his career where when he was younger, you know, he's going to shoot a three off a ball screen or he's going to shoot a pull up. And now, you know, he, he can score it at all three levels, but he's, he can make the pass to the, to the big rolling. He can get to a two foot stop kick out for a three for somebody else. And obviously he, he can score it, but I thought he was huge for just the flow of our offense in the second half, particularly. Yeah. And we look at Saturday came away with a, a nice 75, 70 win. Good to get back in the win column. 
And I do want to touch a little bit later on here. I want to preview the Hastings game we have, but a special day Saturday for a lot of different reasons. And I want to talk about that, but let's, let's talk about Hastings first and then we'll circle the wagons back to Midland here. This Thursday, we traveled to Hastings only game we have this week uh, playing a Hastings team really good so far this year, 10 and two overall four and two in the G pack. I'll be the first one to say it. Definitely a team that surprised me coming out of the gates. I'm sure surprised quite a few people around the league and, and the country a little bit, but a team that new coaching staff again, down there in Hastings, some guys that can really score the basketball. I know one of their better players, Gans bomb, unfortunately a little hurt right now, but got some guys that have really made up and a really efficient team that knows how to play hard and tough collectively on both ends of the floor. Yeah, Hastings had a really good start to the year. And like you said, it's I don't know if surprised is the right word for me. It's you just never know when a new coaching staff comes in and there's new players. You don't exactly know what they're gonna do right away. But uh Hastings, outside of they had a weekend trip where they played at Jamestown at Dakota Wesleyan on a back to back where they, they got beat in both those. That's their only losses. Over the weekend, they beat Concordia, who's a top 20 team, uh, with one of their leading scorers out with injury, like you said. But they're just really solid, and and they have a freshman guard in Reggie Thomas, who's one of the leading scorers in the league so far. Um, he's really dynamic, can can score in a lot of different ways. Uh, they defend well. They just they play good basketball. They cut hard. They screen well. They're they're pretty fun to watch actually as as I've we've started watching film on them, but uh, it's it'll be a battle, you know. We we need to we need to the best thing we can do right now is is obviously build positive momentum as we move forward, and and that doesn't mean win every game, but it means you know Saturday we got that good feeling back of winning, and today carry that over to practice, and tomorrow. And Wednesday, as we as we really dive into and prepare for Hastings, we string positive together and we go out there ready to ready to play our best basketball possible. Because as with any break, you know, we play on the 15th, our next game's two weeks from the 15th on the 29th. Somewhere you're going to have that taste in your mouth for the next two weeks. And again, it doesn't mean we have to go out there and win. It means if we go out there and play well, and we do the things that are going to help us win games the second half of the year, well, that's still a good taste we can have in our mouths. But that's that all goes with stringing the positives together and, and building momentum as we move forward. Just quickly, too, a game like this, just the one GPAC game on a Thursday, practice-wise, today I'm sure was more just kind of talking about Saturday. What do we have to do to get better as a team? maybe talk about Hastings a little bit, diving into it pretty hard tomorrow. What does that kind of look like from a practice perspective? Yeah, we didn't talk about Hastings at all today. We watched some film from Saturday's game, uh, good and bad, a couple things we need to clean up and a couple things that I thought were really good. But uh, we just really focused on our own fundamentals, defensive shell drill, some offensive breakdown things. And tomorrow we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit about Hastings maybe watch a little bit of film and then and then Wednesday we'll we'll spend our entire day focused on Hastings before we head out there Wednesday night. So just the one game this week on Thursday night, not the Wednesday night game, just Thursday here. The men and women traveling down to Hastings, the women's game. 
We'll tip off at six with the men to follow here at 745 against Hastings. And now, Coach, I want to circle back to Saturday. A really special day. Had some alumni back for a really special reason. Clay Harold Day, as I like to call it, but was very fortunate to have Clay inducted into the Briarcliff Athletics Hall of Fame. Let's just talk about Clay a little bit and kind of what he's meant to not only maybe you as a coach, but just the Briarcliff basketball family and community, both on and off the floor. I mean, I've had the privilege of uh, building a really great friendship with him. Uh, couldn't ask for a better guy and ambassador for Briarcliff basketball. Very fortunate and well-deserving for him Saturday. Had to have been really nice to have him back in the Newman Flanagan here this weekend. Yeah, and actually, Clay was inducted into the Hall of Fame last spring, but uh, that was done at a separate function, and we wanted to just take a couple minutes to recognize him at a game in the Flanagan Center. So that it's actually old news, but just uh, something we wanted to do, something I thought he deserved to have that kind of recognition in the Flanagan Center. And so, you know, Clay, Clay was a stud. Probably the best three-point shooter I've ever been around. Uh, fundamentally, his footwork was just absolutely incredible as a shooter. Clay was a winner. Clay was a leader. I mean, he was a captain on a 32-4 and four team his senior year. And so, as a coach, you know, I was the assistant coach when Clay played, and I was always impressed by his work by his work ethic. When when we would do summer workouts, a lot of times he was actually the one telling me what drills we were going to do and what screens he wanted to come off of and things like that. And one of the best parts about building relationships with your players is is when those relationships as player coach turn into friendships as the years go by. And and you said, I mean, Clay's one of the best. He's a great dude. He was a great teammate. I'm sure he's a great father and husband. And so it was it was pretty cool to have him there. And he, he was able to come up to shoot around and talk to the guys, just be around the guys a little bit. And I think it's awesome for our guys to see a guy like that who's a legend in our program back even for a day. So it was a really, really cool thing for Clay and for, for our program. For sure. And this is just a question and no bias whatsoever here. It goes without a doubt. I mean, statistics will prove it. Clay Harold in GPAC history, just one of the most prolific scorers and one of the best three-point shooters to ever put on a jersey in the GPAC. Where does he rank as far as – because you've been around the GPAC for a long time. As far as someone that you've coached and someone you've coached against because you've watched your fair share of film, where does Clay Harold rank? in your tier of three-point shooters and just overall scores in the GPAC from your time? Well, as a scorer, Clay's a good scorer, but he he's not in the elite status of some other guys. But three-point shooter, I he's the best I've been around. He's a, just, you know, you think about what he did as a senior. He made 142 threes. It's incredible. We played 36 games. So whatever the math is on that, that's how many he made a game. I think for his career, he shot 46 or 47%, which is just stupid how efficient that is. And like I talked about his footwork, not to get too basketball nerdy, but most players either what I would call a, a quick hop into their catch where they land on two feet, rise up, shoot it, or 
they won two step. And for a right-handed player, you would go left, right, shoot. But Clay could quick hop. Clay could one, two step with a left, right. And the, the damnedest thing was he could one, two step right, left. And he was just as good of a shooter no matter how he caught the ball or what his footwork was. And he was he was pretty incredible. I, I was telling some of our players, his senior year, senior day, we played Concordia. And I think it was five possessions in the game. We had 15 points, and they were all clay threes. Yeah, I, I just remember so many memories of Clay, and I think the one that will always stick out to me is his senior year in the Flanagan and the GPAC championship game, uh, tournament championship, playing Nebraska Wesleyan. I mean, you remember that game. It's pretty hard to forget a game like that. Literally standing room only. Don't recall a spot in the Flanagan Center that was free for someone to stand because they were even lined up on the second floor behind the baskets. Austin Poland had the ball in the left wing, left elbow maybe, went in and he ended up finishing the shot and it might have even been an and one if you recall the play I'm talking about, but there's a picture. And Clay from, was at the opposite three or uh, free throw line with his hand up like he was had open. His ha- had his hand up and acting like he was open. And it, it, it seemed like no matter where on the floor Clay was, he had his hand up and he was ready to fire. And and that brings me to the footwork question. You were with him for uh, his, his college career. His footwork, is that something that you kind of noticed as he came from high school to Briarcliff or something that you really saw him develop throughout his time at Briarcliff? And if so, more so in the summertime or was it kind of in the season or a good mixture? It was, it was summertime. And the the funny thing was when we recruited Clay, we thought he was going to be a little bit more of a driver and a slasher than what he was. And we were almost a little surprised when he came in as a freshman and he shot 48% from three that year. So good evaluation by Nick Nelson and myself, I guess. But uh, his footwork was always good in that regard. And I don't know, it probably took me a year or two to realize that he was doing something different almost every catch. And that's, it's incredible. Some some logic would say that's not smart, but there was never a downside to it. So we never said anything. Yeah, it's good. The the evaluation in high school, it, it still paid off. So definitely shout out to uh, to both you and Coach Nelson. That's uh, definitely well-deserved uh, for a guy who just deserves everything of that recognition. Great guy. So really happy to see that. And nice to see uh, alumni back on Saturday to help celebrate Clay as well. So just the one game here this week. Shout out to Clay Harold again. Uh, just, just absolutely big time uh, for Briarcliff. Hey, Coach, with that, we're going to lead right into the shout-out section of the episode here. And we'll have you Rockets and start it here with your shout-out from this last week. Yeah, shout-out to our guys preemptively finishing off the academic semester well. It's finals week at Briarcliff. And we have a lot of guys who are very good students, hard workers, and motivated. And so I'm anticipating another year of high GPAs. Yeah, that's definitely a huge, <laughs> a huge credit to the guys. I know got a lot of smart dudes on the team for sure. So big shout out to them. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to, and piggyback a little bit off of the shout out slash challenge you gave last week. I want to give a shout out to Blue Crew. Uh, I didn't get a chance to come down to the Flanagan Center Wednesday night, but watched it online. And and you could tell the Flanagan Center was rocking. Blue Crew uh, definitely showed up in full force uh, and showed out for their last game before finals and before Christmas break. So want to give a shout out to the blue crew. They always come out 
uh, when need be in big games and make the Flanagan Center such a special place that it is. So want to give a, a huge shout out to them. Well, hey, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the BC Buckets podcast. Just a reminder, the one game this week, we are on the road at Hastings to play the Broncos here on Thursday, not a Wednesday. We are on Thursday, the 15th. The women will tip off at 6 with the men to follow at 745. Coach, it's a place that we've talked about, you coached at. Uh, we've had some good success there in the past. Let's keep that rolling going to the weekend, and let's talk next week, hopefully about a win. Sounds great, Bobby.